0: Well, good morning and welcome to Noah's Window. You know, for the last couple of weeks, Mary Alice and I have been in the beginning of the book of Psalms. Uh, we, We started the year with Psalm 1 and then Psalm 2. We're going to run right into Psalm 3 because it's a personal favorite of Mary Alice's and mine. And I think anyone who knows the Psalms and has been through difficult times and God has brought them out... I think they're gonna love Psalm 3. It's a real favorite of yours and mine. Uh, So today, what we're gonna do is we're just gonna look at the first two verses, and I'm gonna read them real fast, and I'm gonna set it up, and I'm gonna ask Mary Alice to comment on it. Um, And one more thing I wanna point out, even though David wrote more Psalms than anybody else, These are not necessarily in chronological order. This particular Psalm, as I'm gonna explain to you in a moment, happens later in David's life and kingdom. He's not a young man anymore. I'd say he's probably Mm middle-aged. So let me read verses one and two. David writes, "'O Lord, I have so many enemies. "'So many are against me.'" And then the verse that just tears me up when I read it. "'So many are saying, God will never rescue him. Well, those of you who are more analytical like Mary Alice, you would have already caught that there's one word that's in those two verses three times, and that's the word many. And David is talking about the people that are against him. He said, I have so many. You know, Mary Alice, we've met people that had, you know, uh, a a complex of thinking everybody was against them. But David's not having a complex. He's right. There are a lot of people who are against him. And, And here's the thing that we need to point out real, real quickly. This is because of David's conduct you know it's not been all that long since david was taking time off and was on the roof of his palace and saw his naked next-door neighbor and had an affair with her and then after that had her husband killed to cover up the resulting pregnancy and it was from that moment on that david's kingdom sort of spun out of control by the time you get to psalm 3 david is dealing with the consequences of his sin probably the most painful part of of his chastisement, was that his son Absalom, who'd always been rebellious, decided to steal the kingdom from David. Absalom had wormed his way into uh, the people's hearts. And David, you know, the scriptures are, are clear about something. David never disciplined his kids. Mm-hmm. And he was, that was one of the problems that David had. He was, he, he was such a, a tender-hearted guy that he couldn't bring himself to discipline his kids, which is a really, really bad mistake that cost him dearly. But Absalom now is uh, has won the hearts of the people. The people are already looking, they've discounted David because of his own conduct. And again, that's David's fall. And now David is running for his life. He has some loyal people who are with him and he could have stayed in Jerusalem and fought it out, but he would have wound up causing a civil war and maybe killing his son, which. It, Eventually, Absalom did die. So now David is on the run, he's hiding, he's got his ragtag army that's with him, the loyals who are with him. And so David starts writing Psalm three, and that's when he said, Oh Lord, I have so many enemies, so many are against me. And then he said, many are saying God will never rescue him. So Mary also a couple of things I wanna ask you about uh, to talk about because you and I have talked about the Psalm so much in our lives. It's clear that David is going through a season of opposition, mm-hmm. and 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 again, just take take out for a moment the fact that this is David's doing. Mm-hmm. All of us are going to go through those seasons, aren't we? Where it feels like Satan has just turned up all the heat on us.
1: And I think uh, similar to what David's going through, a lot of times it's in a very pivotal and vulnerable moment. Yeah, maybe a change of seasons in our life, and we're maybe I don't know just looking back on our situation, we were making a radical change in. I remember you were constantly questioning even yourself, you know, um, was this the right turn to make? And so when you're already questioning and then you find yourself surrounded by people who are, are anxious to tell you that you're doing the wrong thing,
0: yeah.
1: it can make this season even
0: more painful. You're talking about the transition of the church yeah. from like 2004 to 2009. Um, and you're right. I mean, we were making so many changes. and. Ultimately, of course, God has borne out that they were the things that needed to happen, but we didn't know that at the time. I mean, you know, you look at like a Christmas Eve where we have... You know, nearly 12,000 people show up even in post-COVID, and it looks like, well, sure, you know, but back in the day when we were making those changes.
1: Well, I think, let me say this one thing, because when we were going through those times, one of the one of the accusations, because we're talking about accusations that were hurled at David, but one of the accusations that was hurled at you so many times is that you were arrogant and, you know, and here's the thing. I know, I know all the self-doubt you had and all the the anguish and the struggle that you had going through that whole season and, you know, it's, it's always easy to throw stones when you're on the outside and, and you're part of a, well, let's just call it a kind of a ganged up.
0: You're bringing something up that's really interesting that you and I have talked about so many times over the years. Satan is the accuser. Mm-hmm. In fact, the word devil, like we talked about last week at New Spring, the word devil means mm-hmm. accuser, and he's called the accuser of the family of God. I have watched in my life, and I bet you even our viewers have experienced this, and I know you've experienced it too. When Satan accuses you, he accuses you of the last thing you would do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, <laughs> he accuses you of, <clears throat> of of something that you would never dream, because he wants to just tear your heart out and stop you. Mm-hmm. I remember in those days, one of the accusations that got hurled at me was I didn't preach the word of God.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you want to cut my heart out? Just tell me I don't preach the word of God. I, I eat, sleep, live, and breathe it, and you know uh it, it's just, I think it's like Satan. And, and by the way, real quickly, I'm not saying the people that made those accusations were part of Satan. It's just, you know, we know from when, he, Peter, he tried to, that yeah, when Peter tried to talk Jesus out of going to the cross, you know, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't talking to Peter because Peter was the one he had chosen to preach at Pentecost. But um, it, it's hard when someone accuses you of the last thing you would do. Because how do you defend that? Mm. How do you defend that? You know, I mean, I remember in those days, and you brought this up, so I guess we may as well go here. But you know, we went through a really, really tough time in 2004 because mm-hmm. we were becoming, we were going from being an inreach church that was about the people who were there to being about people that weren't there yet, and nobody wants to admit they don't like that, so mm-hmm. they would come up with other accusations. You know, like you don't preach the Bible anymore. Uh, I I just remember at that time. Thinking, you know, I make a lot of mistakes. If you want to accuse me of something, I'll just write out all the things I do wrong and sign my name, and you can go wave the paper. (laughs) But it's it's like Satan to accuse us of, Mm -hmm. of the last thing that we would do. And oftentimes, you know, I think all of us viewers and Mary Alice and me alike will know what it's like to have someone who's against you. Mm. And they will just come up with things uh, to accuse you of. So that's what David was going through. He said, Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. And then, verse two, Marianne, let's talk about that. And then we'll, 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 we'll stop here and then we'll pick it up tomorrow or next Monday. David said, So many are saying God will never rescue him. Mm. Now, let's talk about that because it really does segue into what we just talked about. Mm -hmm. David was guilty of a lot of things. And if those people would have said, man, David shouldn't have done what he did. Well, they'd be well within their rights Mm -hmm. because David would have had to say, you're right. If they had said, you know, David didn't manage his family well. And now look what's happening with Absalom. They'd have been just right. There were a lot of things they could have accused David of. And David would have had to say, you got me. Mm-hmm. But they went a step too far. Mm-hmm. They said, God won't help him this time. You know, that's. And notice they said never. Oh, they said, God will never, never rescue him. him. Well, they could have said all those other things, they'd have been right, but man, they crossed the line when they said, God won't help him this time. And we know that to be true, that God mm-hmm. did help him. Uh, Mary let's talk about that for just a moment because, you know, one of the things that we see at New Spring, in fact, I'd say perhaps it's the most important aspect of New Spring, is people who are broken, people who failed, mm-hmm. which is all of us, of course. So, yeah.
1: Absolutely. But I
0: mean, a lot of people that would never have gone to church because they would have felt pushed away mm-hmm. have come to New Spring. <laughs> That's one of the things that, you know, the sort of traditional Christians can criticize. Well, they're not really sincere and all those people didn't really get saved mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. That's just another variation of saying God won't help those people. How do you How do you respond to that? How many times have we
1: heard someone say to us after they've been at NewSpring for a while, and we've really witnessed huge life change in their life, and they said, "You know, I would have come sooner, but I was just sure if I walked in the doors, the roof would fall in on yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Because I was just sure I was too far gone for God to uh,
0: rescue me." Well, I hear it. Not, at, not in Wichita, not at New Spring, but you know, I travel and I hear stories. You know, people hear stories about New Spring, you know, being in the prisons with all mm-hmm. the Bibles and the books. And, and you know, you see some people kind of raise their nose and sniff and mm-hmm. say, well, of course they're interested. They're in prison. And it, it's just another way of saying God won't help those people.
1: And you know what? Those people haven't talked to those people. That's they right. Haven't. That's right. We've, we've, we get correspondence. Yeah. And we have had conversations with those people. And so we get to hear about what God is doing. And here's the thing. There's is every single Bible going to be in the hands of someone who's going to be sincerely seeking God. We have no control over that, but no. that isn't what God told us to no. do. God told <laughs> us to get that, sow that seed out there, and to be part of that.
0: Well, what the wardens and chaplains tell us is that typically one Bible is going to be seen mm-hmm. by about six, six or seven mm-hmm. people. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just when people when people give up on people, that's a bridge too far. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, all of us are flawed. All of us are sinners. There are a whole lot of allegations that people could make about everybody that would be accurate. But when you say God won't help somebody, that's a bridge too far. It's
1: it's like a commentary on God.
0: Yeah, it is. Because God
1: God isn't able to
0: rescue him. Ooh, I like that.
1: So I I don't think we should limit God on where God can work. I I just recently uh, was in, and I I might have mentioned this on Noah's window uh, before, but was recently in a group of, of women, several of whom had been in prison over a period of time. And as we were getting introduced, um, we were asking them, tell us when faith became real in your life. And I'll never forget one young woman said, when I was face down on the floor of the county jail, that's when faith became real in my life. Wow. So God can eat us. <laughs> anyway.
0: uh, yes, he can. And, you know, I will just say this. I, I've, you guys know I've been preaching since I was 16. And I love the word of God. I love to open it and share it with people. I want to tell you what I've discovered about this book, and somebody listening today may need this. There are 66 books, over 1,100 chapters. It covers a period of 4,000 years. It's written by over 40 authors that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And there are countless stories. But I can never find one story in all the history of the world where somebody came to God, and asked sincerely for forgiveness when God wouldn't forgive. That's right. Every time somebody came, no matter what they did, no matter what, and 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 we look at people like in the Old Testament kings that were just unspeakable. Mm -hmm. And yet when they came and repented before God, God in his mercy would forgive. And so I want to tell you today, there is nothing that you've done that God can't forgive. The word of God says, and I'm going to talk about it this weekend at New Spring. It's in my sermon. First John 1 7. The blood of Jesus Christ God's Son cleanses us from all sin. You know, Mary, else I just feel led to uh, do the same prayer that we do at New Spring. Let's do that. You know, because somebody could be listening today and you just say, Mark, are you say me, God can forgive me. I mean people have said God won't help that you know, God won't help that person, but he will. And so today if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart and life, on this Friday morning or Friday afternoon or evening, whenever you're watching this, uh, you can reach out and have the blood of Jesus cover everything that you've ever done wrong and know that you're forgiven. Let's let's just pray. I'm gonna pray this line by line, just like I do at New Spring. And if you wanna join me in the prayer, you can. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but your word says you love sinners. Your word says Jesus died for sinners that means Jesus died for me. I come today asking forgiveness of my sin. Wash me and make me clean. Make me your child. In Jesus name I pray. If you just prayed with me, Mary Alice, what do we have?
1: Get text PRAYED, P-R-A-Y-E-D, to 97000, and we would love to give you a Bible and a book that Mark wrote that answers a lot of questions that are probably on your mind right now. We would just like to partner with you right. on your faith journey, and it won't cost you anything. Just reach out to us, but again, if you'll text PRAYED, P-R-A-Y-E-D, to 97000, we would
0: love to, um, we'd just love to hear from you and send you some things. We would. Thank you, Mary Alice. Now, we're coming back on Monday, and I'm going to pick this up right where we left it off. And if you thought that was good, <laughs> and it is what we just covered, if you ain't that special, you just wait and see what we have for Monday morning as we take this psalm just a little bit further. Well, Mary Alice, we prayed with those who might want to receive Christ today, but why don't you pray for our audience and then say goodbye for us.
1: Let's do that. Let's pray. Oh, Father, what a privilege it is to come into the homes of all those that are watching or listening or to to ride along in the car or wherever everyone is as they're watching or listening. I just pray that you would use the scripture that we've shared to be a blessing in their lives. I pray for all the individuals, every family represented, all the needs that are going on in their life right now. We know so many that are sick right now. Father, they need your healing touch. So many are struggling Um, because of a financial situation or a job situation. There's just a lot of uh, difficulty and challenges going on, Lord, but we know that you are a powerful and loving God, and you have promised that if we call on you that you will rescue us in other ways as well as uh, saving us from our sin, that you will answer our needs as we call out on you, and and, uh, we're just trusting you for that, and I just pray that you would wrap your arms of love around each and every person uh, out there today, that you would draw them close to you, Um, the greatest blessing in the world, Father, is to know you personally and to walk this life journey uh, with you carrying us and protecting us. And we're just going to thank you for all that you have done and all that you are going to do. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Mark said thank you for joining us today on Noah's Window. And we have a great weekend coming up. You want to talk a little bit about the message? Yeah, uh,
0: we're in our series, I Wish I Could blank. And you know, Mary, Alice. It's a, it's a series that's based on the Word of God, my own personal experience, what God's taught me through the years, and then what I've learned from great leaders. We're going to be talking about the very first principle of becoming a person of change. And you know, you've already seen the message. I've
1: heard the previews, and you don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's
0: one of the most important things I've ever learned about becoming a person of change. And we're going to share it this weekend at New Spring.
1: So I hope to see you at New Spring. And if you can't be in person, join us online. And we'll look forward to seeing you here on Noah's Window again on Monday morning. Take care. God bless.
0: God bless.